But if you have your Bibles this morning, and I know everybody does because there's no excuse why people shouldn't have their Bibles because it's in your cell phone and everybody has one of them. Uh, Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1. So praying through this week about which way the Lord wanted us to go this morning and what he's done spoken has already kind of already lines up with with the word he has given me Galatians chapter 1 I'll be reading out of the New King James version if, if if anybody's interested I don't know why you would be some people then again there's only one Bible that gets you into heaven. <laughs> Galatians chapter 1 says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men or man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. I'm going to stop right there. So when, when did I get this text for this morning? About 25 minutes before service started. Hmm. Paul, an apostle, not from men, man, men, but nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So what are you saying? I'm just waiting for you to get it. Are y'all praying for me this morning? Because I don't stand. I don't stand up here through myself I don't stand up here through the placement and Lord help me even though the council did place me here but I don't stand up here through the placement of the council I don't stand up here through the placement of a man or men I stand up here because God called me here Paul lets the Galatian church know this right off the bat. I'm Paul. I'm an apostle of God. Not through you, not through man, not through anybody. But Jesus Christ has called me and put me in this place to be an apostle. He said Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. That's who I am. I'm Paul. Not because anybody else has called me to be Paul. I once was Saul, but God, Jesus changed my name to Paul, and he called me. I didn't call myself here. God called me here. And through that, and like I say, I, 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 humbly, I in no way want any, 
pride or arrogance or stand up here this morning to tell you that I'm better than anybody else in this place or I'm this or I'm that and then this no I'm, I'm telling you this this morning because I don't stand under here up here under my own power because Jared Stanford would not be pastoring a church but since God and I'm 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 Interested to see when I get to heaven what my name is that he calls me. He called me something else and has a name for me and placed me here. And through that, like I said, I don't know how to pastor a church. All I know how to do is say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What do you want? How do you want to do it? What, do you, what, what, what am I feeling right now? And I've got to go on that more than men's opinions or what men thinks or how we think church should be or how we think worship should be. I, I don't go on what, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And that might be why he calls me, called me here because I don't know. I have to get up here every Sunday and through the week and pray and just depend on him for his leading, his direction. I'm not somebody that has a theological degree that can write you a three-point sermon any time, any day of the week off the top of my head. I can't do that. only thing I can do off the top of my head is say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? <laughs> That's it. Back to the scripture. So Paul announces this. He said, And all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for, for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Now, Paul said that about himself. And we still live in a present evil age. And my, my calling and my anointing is more of a Jeremiah, more of a maybe even a Paul. And what, what are you saying? It's more of, of God's, and, and I, I don't like it. I'll be honest with you. I don't like being the one who chastises and says what God is rebuking and saying. I got called to go do, to preach at another church somewhere else and I prayed, Lord, I do not want to do it. No. Because I knew what the Lord done spoken in my spirit. It's like, I don't want to. Let them get somebody else. Let them find somebody else. And it, it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks, and they never found somebody else. A, a week or two before, they was like, we don't have anybody. Can you come do it? And I'm like, okay, okay, Lord. I don't want to because I know what you've spoken in my spirit. I, and I, but I have to because I'm not called. I'm called by him, and I can't worry about what men say. So I, I, I don't like it. 
I'm honest, I don't. But I have to. I have to. Because we have, we have enough feel-good preachers. We have enough people in sets and Sunday morning services that get a prosperity, get a motivational speech, and they live, they leave feeling good about themselves, but they never have a change in their lives. But to follow God means that He's got to correct us and keep us in line. It ain't all every time feeling good. For I reckon when it comes down to it, I would rather obey God and you stand a better chance in receiving it and make it to heaven than me make you feel good on earth and still burn in hell. Because if you hear my heart, and I pray you do, it's never out of a, a flesh. It's when I pray and I put on my armor of God, when I put on my my breastplate of righteousness, Lord, is is God keep everything within me humble and in right standings. Let my motives be pure and led by the Holy Spirit and led by Your Word. Not let it ever be selfish or flesh or motivated out of what flesh wants and I'm sure some of the prophets Jeremiah and him when giving them hard words I'm sure they felt the same thing because because he, he said it it's like a fire shut up in my bones and he wasn't preaching it the way all the old time and the evangelists preach it. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. No, he was saying it's something in me that I wished I wasn't even born. I wished I would have died in my mother's womb. He said, I cursed the day that I was even born. But it is like a fire in my bones and I have to get it out. And that's the only way I can explain it this morning is I stood there trembling on the inside of me. Saying, Lord, is this really what you're speaking? Is this really what you want to say? That's the only way that I can explain it. And I can't be worried about when it goes forth, what happens after that. Galatians, according to the will of the Father, verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he tells the Galatians, I marvel that you are turning away so soon. Hmm. If you've been here February, in the February, I think it'll be a year and a half. And we've had some, like I say, God has moved, but now I'll sit here and marvel at the way we are turning away so soon. In our prayer life, how does revival tarry? Through prayer. How does the atmosphere change? Through prayer. A year ago when I held a 24-hour prayer service, I went back and it was 30-minute slots. I went back and looked at it. They was I maybe, maybe one slot that I had to cover as the pastor and body of this church this past uh, December, I think, when we had it, November. 
I've moved it because I said watch and pray one hour. That's all he's I asked his disciples. He wasn't asking for a 24-hour prayer. He said, can you not just watch and pray with me one hour that you do not fall in temptation? Just one hour? Can you not do that? So the Lord put it on my heart just to sign up for one-hour slots. Can you not watch and pray just one hour? And you know how many slots pastor had to fill this year? Six. marvel at the way we've turned away so soon complacency of whether whether it be what's going on to the in the world we know things are going to go on in the world we know that but do we allow it to affect us spiritually that we get down and complacent and, and slide back so soon because we have another pandemic or epidemic or whatever you want to call it that really the symptoms and Lord help me for 90% is just a cough and a cold that you can get over but we are so soon to turn back and allow that to disrupt the house of God again I marvel how soon like Marvel like Paul says to Galatians You've turned away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. I called you away from a different gospel. Gospel means the good news. I called you away from a different teaching. Verse 7, which is which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven and preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And we have said from before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. For I, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I speak to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. The word I want you to focus on this morning is in this is who troubled you and, and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. That word pervert there in Greek means to turn around. So what he is saying here is to preach any other gospel... A different gospel is another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. They want to, what the Greek word is saying here is that they want to turn the gospel in Christ into something it is not. We want to turn it, pervert it, means to turn it in the Greek word, around. So he's saying, we, some of you have took the gospel of Christ and you've turned it around. You have perverted it and turned it into something that it is not. The gospel of Jesus Christ, is the, it is the good news, but it also is the news that you are supposed to live by. 
not the suggestion or what you want to turn it into to make it feel better about you on how you're supposed to live and, and, and accommodate your lifestyle and the way you live in your lifestyle. That is not what it is. Because when you take for the gospel for what it is written, it is the good news and the gospel of Christ to correct you and to keep you on the path of his and, and relationship and righteousness and right standings with him. The gospel, yeah, it, it, has, it has healing scriptures and it has promises in it. But if that's the only reason you read the gospel is for a healing scripture or a promise of, of you will be the head and not the tail and you don't take the rest of it, you've perverted the gospel. That's what Paul, you have turned it into something that accommodates you and you have perverted the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To be something that you can, your standard that you can live by, not God's standards and what He wants you to live by. So that's the scripture He gave me this morning, and this is what He spoke to me in prayer through the, this week. Without a scripture, they even line up with what I wrote down. We have perverted the gospel, twisted it into what we want to hear, what we want to teach, or even to validate our own ministries of what we want. The gospel is the good news of salvation. The gospel is the work of the kingdom. And that's what we are all called to do, to be ministers of the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I asked myself through this week, Matthew 6 and 33, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which we have been preaching, kingdom-minded, and all this shall be added. What, what are you seeking, though? What does the kingdom of God look like that you are seeking after? Because if it's, if it's not lining up with this word of God, then what you are seeking after is perverted in your own way. Because when Jesus steps on the scene, even John the Baptist, when he steps on the scene to preach repentance, prepare the way of the Lord and the kingdom of heaven. That's what he was preaching, repentance and the kingdom of heaven. Nobody liked it because it went against everything that they were taught and everything that they stood for that they have heard. So nobody liked John the Baptist and his preaching. Because seeking the kingdom of God requires you to die from your flesh. He said if any man wants to save his life, then he has to lose his life. Not... If you want to save your life, then all you have to do is just come to church on Sunday, throw your hands up in the air, worship a little bit, read your Bible, and go home. That's not what he would say. You have to lose. When you lose something, it's lost. I think about the scripture where they, the Bible, where they go and 
ankle deep, knee deep, way deep, waist deep until they're in the water in the river and it's, it's overflowing them. What they have done is they have lost their way in the river that they are at the mercy and the will of the river that is flowing. And that is what God wants. As long as you're ankle deep, you still have control of everything else from the ankles up. God does not have control of it. As long as you're knee deep, God, you, you still control from here up. You may let God have a little bit down here, but he's still not complete controller of your life. Waist deep, you still have this. Until, and the most important part that this covers is your mouth. Even if it gets up to here and you still can... But he's saying is, let me cover your complete life that you lose control of what you can do in it. And then you're at my mercy and my will for me to navigate you through the river, through the waters, in the way that I want you to go. But we, have, we can't do that. We want control of our lives. So what do we do? How do we, how does Christians, how does the church go about, about, um, fulfilling or making that we pervert the gospel we turn it into something that it's not so that we can still say that we're in Christ but not be of Christ y'all don't hear me that's the reason he says you're supposed to be you can be in this world but not of this world the gospel don't say the gospel, the kingdom of, 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 of Christ. The kingdom gospel does not say you can be in this world, partakers of this world, live your life like you want to in this world, and do what you want to do in this world. It don't say that. It says you can be in this world, but you, don't, you can't be of this world. You have to be different. And what you're of is of him and his kingdom that he is controlling you. I say ministries have perverted the gospel and to turn it into something to validate their ministry. We've perverted and twisted into a prosperity gospel. People have made millions off of it. We have perverted it and twisted into a healing gospel. People have made millions off of it. We have perversed, perversed, perversed it and twisted into uh, a prophetic gospel people have made millions off of it we have perverted it into a deliverance gospel people have made millions off of it well how do they do that they take the one thing and they turn it to pervert it and then they make millions off of it and people are so spiritually ignorant that they run to the thousands and pay money on the internet for them to send you a bottle of oil that's from Jerusalem that's going to heal you. That's a bunch of hog baloney wash. You're padding their pockets and they're making millions off of them. Well, this prophet is coming. People will run by the thousands to hear a prophet. Everybody in the world right now is a prophet. I'm just being honest with you. Everybody. I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. I'm a prophet. And people are running. Well, give me a word. 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 I'll give you a word. 
Seek you first the kingdom of God. You seek him. Not your pastor, not your husband, not your wife, not your grandmother, not your grandfather, not your Sunday school teacher, not your youth leader, not your kid's pastor, not any of them. No, you seek first the kingdom of God. It's on you. You anoint yourself with oil. Yeah, we can call for the elders of the church and we can anoint you the oil. Biblically, we can do all that. There's not a problem with that. But it still comes down to you. The gospel, it's about an inward change. If you never change your life and you say you're a Christian, you perverted the gospel. You perverted the salvation. You perverted the cross. You perverted the blood. You perverted everything in there. All these ministries pack houses and millions of people come to watch and, and pray for a word. And while people make millions off the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ was never to pack somebody's pocketbook. Twisting it into wealth. How, how, why does people do this? I don't know. In, ignorance? The fact of the matter is why people do this if they're so desperate. They, they're so desperate for something to change. Let's take the woman with the issue of blood. Twelve years, she had an issue of blood. She was unclean, supposed to stay away from everybody, not be around them. If she come close to anybody, she, it was her by law. She was supposed to start hollering, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, for people to stay away from her. So if you walked up to me and I was the person unclean, I would have to tell you when you got a certain distance, hey, I'm unclean, stay away from me. So how humiliating and how it probably worked on her self-confidence, her self-worth, and everything that was in her, degrading and so of course she was desperate so for 12 years she emptied out her bank account the Bible says she spent everything that she had because of the issue in her life and that's what we that's because we're ignorant we pervert it to think if I pay somebody this amount of money, if I send this sin, then that's going to take care of my issue. And the only thing that could take care of the woman's issue was when she decided to take it to Christ. That was it. No matter the cost, she, she, and it's bad that it takes us getting in the, to the moment that we've spent all we had in the world. And we've got ourselves in the shape that we're in, and we've, we're broke, disgusted, busted, and then we decide, let's go to Jesus. So this morning, save your money. If you've got an issue, Jesus can take care of it. You have to be willing to go. We've turned the gospel into a circus of wealth, fame, and to say, look at us. We want everybody to look at the, the buildings we build, the, the worship that we put on, the, the, the lights that we have up, the greatest technology that we have. 
We want people, we do it so people will look at us. Even our churches pervert the truth of the gospel to accommodate our lifestyle and the way we want to live. We've perverted and twisted it to say you can be, said this a while ago, in this world and of this world. That's what we say. I can be in this world and of this world. We perverted and twisted to say be a, to be a friend with the world is also to be a friend with Christ. We have perverted and twisted it to be conformed to a conformed gospel and to conform in the way that I want it. All while the true kingdom gospel says you are not in this you are in this world but not of this world. The true kingdom gospel says to be friends with the world is to be enemies of God. The true kingdom gospel says to be conformed of this world, but be ye transformed, by, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what the kingdom of gospel says. Old things have passed away. I am a new creation. I'm a new creature. I'm new. That's what it says. It's not old things. It's not the old lifestyle. It's not old, but we pervert it to twist it and to accommodate what we want to have and Jesus. And it does not work that a way. It don't. We have perverted into a religious gospel, into man's traditional and tradition gospel. When Jesus steps on the scene, like I said, he goes totally opposite. Of religion and tradition. Matthew chapter 5. He steps on Matthew 5, verse 33, it says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. And Jesus steps on and says, But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of, it's the, city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatsoever is more than these is from the evil one. He steps on and says, the, the, the scene says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to, not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you and do not turn away. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. He makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet your brother and only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be per perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. He steps on the scene and says, 
everything that you know, no. If you want to follow the kingdom of God, you do it this way. He steps on the scene. They try to catch him on the Sabbath day. They're walking, they're walking through the fields, and some of the disciples starts picking some ears of corn. And guess what? It's the Sabbath day. And he tells him that the Sabbath was not made for man, but man for the Sabbath. He comes against them and tells them everything that they know, he goes against what they think they know. And that's what the gospel does. The way you think you want it and know it, it's probably not the way of Jesus Christ and what he says. Because a lot of us cannot love our neighbors or pray for those who despitefully use us. A lot of us can't eat with the sinners and the tax collectors like Jesus did. It made them irate. It made them angry that he was doing everything opposite and what they thought he was supposed to be doing. That is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, it don't love for self, it loves for others. But we have perverted it to be about me, myself, and I. We've perverted the kingdom of God into an escape hell, but not change our life's gospel. We've perverted it into... You have to worship a certain way, sing a certain song, preach a certain style, speak in a certain tongue, a certain way. We perverted the kingdom of gospel into a production instead of a true power. Yeah, yeah. Because it's evident. If we don't sing a certain way, a lot of people won't come to your church. So what is that? That's perverting the gospel. That's saying it's about me in the way the worship style that I want. Perverting the gospel. We perverted worship. If we can only worship and not be discipled or read and pray, then we have perverted worship. I want you to think about that now. Lord, help me. This come this morning too. That's the reason it's on a blue index card. If you come up here and you come up here to worship to be seen, you perverted the you perverted the gospel. You perverted worship. If you come up here and worship, but you're not willing to be discipled, you perverted worship. Your worship is not right. If you come up here and worship, but you don't read and pray your Bible like you should, then your worship is perverted because it's about you and what you can get from God at that point. It's not about what you have given to God through the week. It's not about being discipled or anything like that. It's about you and your show. Do I like to see the altars filled with people worshiping? Yep, I do. But I believe, Lord, help me in the name of Jesus. That we can become so caught up in the worship without the discipleship or without the reading that we depend on the worship for the experience That we, have, we pervert it. We turn it into our 
our show, for our worship, God, I'm here for you. Well, God says, I, you can't take correction. You can't be discipled. You don't read. You don't want to pray. And now you're telling me you're here for me? If you were here for me, you would take discipleship. You would take correction. You would read. You would have your pray. If this is the only relationship you have in the worship, then you're perverting my worship because you don't believe that I am who I say I am. And I said what I said I said in the word. So really your worship is like tinkling cymbals and sounding brasses. It's not getting to him because he said, listen, I need to hear a prayer of repentance before I hear a prayer of worship. We turn it into, and what, what does the Greek word for pervert mean? To turn it into. So anything we turn into something, then it's perverted of the flesh. If it's not produced by the power and the Holy Spirit in His direction, and we turn it into something, it's perverted already. When we come in here in this, in this church and we come here to turn it into something that we want, then this church is perverted already. Your heart's perverted when you walk in the door. You're here for the wrong reason, the wrong motive. You want it to turn into something that you want. So it's a perversion. If it's not led by him, through him, for him, by him, glorified, he's lifted up, he's glorified, and we're following him, then it's of flesh and it's perverted. If you sang on this stage, listen, some things this morning, I reckon it's just the correction. If you sang on this stage and you have a heart of perversion, get off of it. I know Philip's tired of battling every Sunday. If you come over here and ask Philip over the past several weeks, has there been something that he's battled every, every week when he steps up that worship ain't flowing freely like it? I guarantee you, what would you say, Philip? Absolutely. So something's got to be hindering that. And it's a spirit of perversion that thinks that it's the, you're, you're, you're right, your truth, your way, you way you want it, and it's not going out of way. So you sat there with a spirit of perversion upon your life and bitterness and unforgiveness and angeriness and all this offense in your heart. Because the truth of the fact of the matter is... If we worship him like Jesus said in spirit and in truth, we don't need none of this anyway. But the reason we got to have it, Lord help me, is to get your perversion of what you think worship is supposed to be every Sunday so you can hopefully get past that because they're singing your song. And then maybe you can have an experience but you're not having an encounter because your experience is tied to the song and the worship and instead of your experience tied to me to God so he can encounter you. The truth of the fact of the matter is we don't need any of this. You should not need any of this to worship God. He is enough. 
But we've perverted worship to say we've got to have it or God can't move. No, you've got to have it because you've tied it in to what God's supposed to do in your life and how he's supposed to move. So you have tied it. And what is that doing? He's saying you have perverted my worship. It was never intended. It was intended worship. It was relational between me and you. Not me and who you sat with. Not me and the pew that you sat on. Not me and who sings. Not me and who plays. Not your favorite Maverick City or the old rugged cross or, or, or Vestal Goodman. Or any, it don't matter. Through all eternity, if your worship was ever tied to a group or a person, then your worship was perverted. Because he said, I seek those, the Father seeks those who worship me in spirit and in truth. And the truth is you need none of this if you're walking in the spirit. Because hmm. we, got, we got people around the world that come together that don't have any music. You can look them up. Look up some of the countries in Africa where, where revival and people are being healed and thousands and this and these. What do they have? They have a sound of one unity with their mouths. Because while they're worshiping him, because he is, he is good enough. He's all that they need. And they recognize that and they haven't been perverted by any of the rest of the mess in the world. What's going on in the world. And they say, God, you are enough and we are here to worship you. So they lift up their voices in unity with one another. And then God moves. In Acts chapter 2, it don't say there was a worship band, a worship leader. It don't say Paul stepped up and struck up a, a harp or a chord or, or a guitar or a cymbal and sounded it said they were in one mind one accord praying and worshiping and waiting on the spirit of God to move that's what it looks like and that's what it should sound like if we want to be honest we've perverted it into what we need to worship God, if it don't play, I can't worship this morning. Our, our, our focus, this is the thing. The Western church, that's United States, the Western world, have become so focused on worship. Everywhere you see, is there anything wrong with Worship, music, styles, no. There is not nothing wrong with it. That's not what I'm saying, but we've become so focused that we, that we run to the let us worship. Sean, he's doing great things, but he draws thousands. Uh, all these churches with all these people writing in their churches now, Hillsong, uh, uh, Maverick City, the... Uh, Furtick's Church and Bethel and all them around. people are flying. That's where they've got thousands and thousands of thousands in their church because of really one reason is, is their worship. But how many of those people that are there live a different lifestyle than what they're worshiping? You know why? Because the Bible dealt, Jesus didn't say, I call you to go make worshipers. Gonna blow some of your minds. He said, I call you to go make disciples. 
So how many of, if you can worship but you cannot be discipled, your worship is perverted. And I have a feeling that since the, the worship movement has, has happened, like I said, don't get me wrong. I love great, y'all know I love great worship. I love a great song. I love all those. But if that's all my relationship is, is that worship experience, and I can't be discipled, taught, or anything else, then that worship is perverted. Because you've turned it into yourself. You've turned it away, what it was designed to do. And if your heart was right in your worship, you would want to be discipled. You would want to pray. You would want to read. You would want to do. You would want to serve. You would want to do all these things. But if the only thing you're looking for is the next great worship service, that's what you live for, then you're going to miss out on one of the greatest worship service ever in eternity. He didn't say, go make worshipers. He said, go make disciples. But we want to worship without being discipled. Help us, Jesus. The thing about it is, we've perverted the kingdom of gospel into a, a production instead of a true power. We, you watch, this is... You watch a production long enough, you can act it out. <laughs> you go and you watch, if, 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 you, if you went to Broadway and you kept going back to that Broadway show, back to that Broadway show, back to that Broadway show, because it was the greatest experience you ever had in your life, guess what? You start learning the movements. You can do the show. If somebody was sick, you could probably take over. You know what they're going to say, when they're going to say it. You know how they're going to uh, move. You know how they're going to do all these things. If you watch a production long enough, you learn how to act. And we have watched so many worship productions that we have learned how to come down here and we have learned how to act because we know what we are supposed to do. We're supposed to raise our hands this way. When this song, when, when the drums build this way, we're supposed to do this. We have acted. Lord, help me. That's where I believe we have come in the Western world. So that, that is my fear, is that worship has taken over discipleship. And he's never called us to be worshipers. Discipleship will make you worship in the right spirit, in the right truth. It will not cause you to get up here and act out of your own flesh. But we've started that and we've done that because we've seen so many worship productions that we know how to act them out. I would rather you stay in your seat instead of come up here and put on your own production show. Because if you can't be discipled, and worship is just a platform, for you to be noticed, stay in your seat. Philip, you can come up here and 
Production and perversion reproduces an act, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of. That's what a production does. Form of godliness, but denying the power because he couldn't move because your worship's all about yourself. The bottom line is the power of the gospel produces change. If the gospel of the kingdom did not or has not changed your life, then you got or you have, if it didn't change your life and you haven't been transformed, and it hadn't transformed your life into a life-changing experience. Then you perverted it. And twisted it into something. And the way you want to live. Because the gospel and the power of the gospel changes your life to deny yourself. And to follow after him. Not the things of this world. Not of this world. Not a form of godliness. It's you may you may fool me, but you won't fool him. But most everyone else, I said most. Now I didn't say everyone. Will forget what the preacher says probably by the time you go to bed or by the next day. Because why? It's not important to you. It's not important what God is trying to speak to the body. If you have a memory and it sticks with you, that's great. I would encourage you to take notes on what God speaks to you in a sermon, in worship. That is saying, God, I'm available. And I'm ready and willing to learn and be discipled. Because if you don't take a note and don't take it down or, or put it in, then more, most of everybody will forget it. And you don't take a note and you don't take stuff down because why? It's not important to you. You're here for the experience. You're not here to be discipled. You're here just, it's the right thing to do. I go to church. I'm here for the experience. I'm here for the worship. The word goes forth. Yeah, I'll, I'll hear it. And then I'll forgive it. Can I remind you? I'll forget it. Can I remind you of a parable in the Bible that Jesus spoke about? Where the seed falls on the good ground? That's what he's saying. There's good ground in here. People take the seed and they write it down and take it in the heart and put it so it can produce. The people who take it and just leave it laying on the surface, the enemy comes in, grabs it, and takes it away. Usually I have this with me every service I go to. If I don't, I, I pull out my phone. If you ever see me on my phone in church, it's not because I'm looking at Facebook, social media, or anything like that. It's because the Lord has just spoken something to me and I need to write it in my notes or look up a scripture right quick like and stuff like that. That's, then that's good. That's what I'm saying. God should be speaking to you. 
That's what the true gospel does. It speaks. It changes. It's alive. It speaks. But when you pervert it into yourself, what you want, all you hear is what you want to hear. And what you're wanting to hear probably is what your flesh wants to hear. You want to hear, hey, you're going to get a million dollars. You're going to live like that. You want to hear all that, but you don't want to hear. You've got to work and live and, and sacrifice and be obedient. Oh, we don't want to hear that. Stand with me. Most everyone else sets in a routine of church. Like I said, they just come for the experience. They really don't want the encounter. But because, like I said before, the encounter costs you something. The experience. You can do what you want to with an experience. But when you have an encounter, you've, you've got to do something with that. You can't. And this is the last thing he gave me. We can set up here and I can set up here and I can decree and declare what God has said and what the word says as your, as your shepherd, as your leader. But if you keep bringing Egypt back in the doors, I can sit here and decree and declare we've broken these things and it has no right and it has no access and decree all this unity and forgiveness and, and offense be gone and all this. But if you keep bringing bondage and Egypt back in the door with you every Sunday, then we're stuck in a cycle of going around the same mountain every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, and we will never get to the promise. Don't matter what I set up here and do because I've always got to go back. Lord, forgive us this week because we are back and bringing Egypt. We wish we were things like it used to be. We wish we'd go back there. Quit bringing Egypt back in the doors of the house when he has done delivered you from it, delivered us from it and we have decreed and declared that we're going forward don't matter who sets up here if the people keep speaking Egypt you're going to get Egypt and Egypt will keep you from the promise Egypt brings murmuring and complaining and not being able to take correction from the leadership that's what Egypt brings Quit bringing it back in the doors of this house. If you can't keep Egypt out of here, then you keep your Egypt somewhere else. Stay in bondage. Go back to the things. Find your place where you liked it once before. Because he told them, listen, I'm going to lead in a, I'm going to lead you on a path that you have never been before. And to do that, we've got to rely on him. Not what has been, what was, or anything like that. So quit bringing Egypt back in here. Whenever Sunday I get up here in war and have to break these things off, and I know other people in here are warring, and they feel the same thing, but because Egypt steps back in the door, we're stuck in the cycle, in the cycle, in the cycle. I don't care if you get uh, uh, Kevin Wallace up here, Benny Hinn, T.D. Jakes. I don't care who you get up here. If Egypt keeps coming back in the door, you're never going to the promised land. And I refuse to be Moses. 
and let the mermen complain and get me angry, bent out of shape to where I missed the promise also. So I'm like, Lord, if your presence don't go, I, I, I don't want to go. But don't let me get caught up that I missed your promise to move, move me. Lord, I can't believe I said that. Before I miss the promise and get caught up in the Egypt mentality. Ephesians 4 17 says this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work of all uncleanliness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. He said, you ain't learned what I'm about. You ain't learned my teachings. You ain't put all these other, put this mess behind you. Learn me, follow me. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. God, I pray, God, that you forgive us. Like I said, you've called this fast, Lord, for a fast of repentance first God self repentance and corporate repentance God of this house God help us not to pervert your word and the gospel into something that we want and how we want it God but let our get our selfishness and our self out of the way God that we can worship you in spirit and in truth God that we can come in here God and be free help us to quit living God trying to live in the promise God with a Egypt mentality of bondage God that we move forward forgetting those things God Lord help us Lord come and learn you and we repent from everything else we repent from everything else If this message has spoken to you in, in any way and you need to lay some things down, you can, you can do it up here. You can do it back there. I'm not asking for, but what I am asking for, if you cannot lay it down, then quit bringing Egypt in them doors if that includes you not coming in here until you can find your place to get healed, whole, and renewed. That's hard. Yeah, that's hard, but that's the word he started with, and that's the word that lines up with what he gave me all week. Quit making it about yourself. Quit perverting the gospel. Quit perverting the worship. Quit perverting the word. Let it live and transform your life. Let it transform your life. As I pray, as, I, as Philip plays and sings, I want you to examine yourself and get rid of the junk. Get rid of the offense, the bitterness, the unforgiveness. Get rid of the Egypt out of your life. And let us go forth that we can cross this river. Because God said, I done give you 
the land. But as long as we're stuck with the Egypt mentality, we can't get it and possess it until we get rid of all that junk so that we can cross over. It's there. The field is ripe with harvest. He's needing his labors, but he's needing labors that does not pervert the gospel so that people can have real encounters and not just in the experience when you walk up to them. So as he's saying, examine your heart. And I, the last thing the Lord put on my heart that I got down here, uh, Tony, Sammy, if y'all would get the offering bags again. As he sings, examine your heart. And nobody slip out because I said something about offering. If you do, then I, I'll know without a shout, you, you are perfect. Oh, Lord. Go ahead, Philip. Examine your heart right now.